I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know when we were at Crufts and it was getting late on the last night, do you remember we were trying to get some more raw? And then we bumped into a lovely man called Chris Broadbent on the Natural Raw stand who got you your dinner. Well, we're about to jump on Zoom to find out how he got into the raw food business. Chris, welcome to A Dog's Life. Thank you, Anna. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, it's great that, you know, we're chatting because we've only known each other, what would it be, just over a month after a fabulous chance meeting, really, at Crufts. <laughs> yeah, Crufts, it's an interesting one. We, uh, I was there uh, with our uh, natural raw, raw dog food business, but I'm really primarily there as a, as a dog lover. And I didn't really get much chance to see what you were doing at Crufts. Uh, which was uh, exhibiting and competing with your dogs because uh, I was surrounded by uh, stockists and prospective customers and uh, people coming to talk to us. Uh, so it was a busy few days. And uh, yeah, you do need a bit of time to relax after that, then you just takes it out of you. Well, Crufts does take it out of you, definitely. So when I was up there, I was doing quite a bit of broadcasting as well on the, you know, on the BBC. And the one thing I, I commented on was that it was A, so busy, because a lot of people, I don't know if you were feeling this before the show, so I know a couple of exhibitors who were, were in trepidation, actually. You know, will people, will the punters come to the show you know yeah we've we've been there um three times now 2019 uh 20 obviously it didn't happen last year and this was our third uh in terms of the volume of people there i think it was actually a case of quality over quantity there were less people than there have been but i think they were a very uh, good audience and certainly the first two days uh lots of people in the in the business uh, lots of interest uh, especially getting raw on the agenda as well for people who perhaps, you know, in the past, it's just people who are in the sort of raw community. Whereas I did sense some of our huge competitors who were in the business of dry food were very interested. So I think, I think it was a good exercise in terms of uh, spreading the word. Uh, and we were, we were certainly pleased with the numbers of conversations that we had with people like yourself you know, just chance meetings, really, and and people who are in the sort of broadcasting or vets or marketing or competitors, rather than just customers as well, which is always nice to see. But unfortunately, you don't get to see any dogs actually uh, really uh, sort of competing. Um, but it's a busy few days. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, I thought it was really busy, funnily enough, but I agree with you. You see, it's that real life connection that we've all missed for a few years and the chance meetings. And so, what made my day? It was the Friday. I had been competing, you're right, Chris, and uh, it hadn't gone according to plan. And um, some might call me a sore loser, others might have said it was fair. But anyway, I needed some dinner for my dogs and everyone listening knows I'm an avid raw food feeder and have been for over 20 years and the problem is with many raw foods firms at Crufts and other shows they don't actually have any stock on the stand and it was already five o'clock and I was thinking crumbs where am I going to find some raw and literally as I was just thinking it 
I actually see your stand for the first time, even though I must have gone very close to it a few times um, the days before. And it all falls into place. And there you have your freezer full of delicious raw food. So, you know, you've brightened, you, you were the, the silver lining on a cloud. <laughs> well, it's nice, to, it's nice to know we've put a Yorkshire silver lining on the cloud of gloom. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's true. We were, <laughs> I was surprised myself. A lot of people have sort of dummy uh, or freezers with, you know, just a, a little bit of food in or, or just pretend food. And uh, it did seem that most people actually don't actually have real raw food there. So we did actually supply quite a few breeders uh, and uh, com- competitors, dogs at the end of the day. It often happens people come and pick up one or two tubs for their for their pooch's tea and it, you know it does defrost in an hour or two so if people are coming from a distance uh but we don't we don't really go there to sell food but uh it's an interesting byproduct that uh yeah we did we did manage to uh perhaps convert some people as well which is always nice it's always good anna to uh a shock meeting a chance meeting to turn out to be a a good story and i always think that you need to be true to yourself and uh be be caring and kind and uh luckily uh we were here for you in your your hour of need (laughs) yeah no absolutely but then the plot thickened actually didn't it because it um (laughs) turned out that 24 hours later I was actually chatting to your son who happened to send me a picture of his dad's stand at Crufts and so when I got this picture of the natural stand I'm replying to your son who is the producer at the BBC on Radio 2 for OJ Borge because I was going on his show that night and I'm like, OMG, I have met your dad. And the whole sort of circle of this just got more extraordinary, which is even more why I'm so pleased that we're chatting. Yeah, that that was an interesting <laughs> development because obviously I'm ashamed to say I didn't know I wasn't familiar with the dog's life myself. Uh, so it's uh, it certainly opened up a whole new avenue for me. But yeah, I just thought, well, what a lovely lady. We've we've helped her out, and that was that. And then next thing, I'm getting a day or so later, uh, Will's uh, sending me a message saying, "You're not going to believe this." So uh, uh, it's yeah, perhaps it's just one of those things that sometimes people get brought together for the, all the right reasons. Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say we should have been uh, listening for uh, for years beforehand. Certainly, I, I will be doing now. But uh, yeah, in fact, he he stayed last night actually at our house in North Yorkshire, and uh, he brought some um, some sourdough bread that OJ had baked, which we had this morning. It was absolutely glorious. Oh, wow. uh, I didn't know he did baking. That's another thing. Gosh. Well, you know, now now explain a bit, though, Chris, um, getting back to the dogs. Yeah. (laughs) How did you get involved in Natural and what skill sets have you have you brought to the firm? And tell us everything. Uh, Well, first of all, you know, I didn't start the business. It was started by a fantastic um, couple of people, Jess Warnikan and, and Tom Johnson, and they started the business uh they they have a love of ridgebacks and they had a couple of ridgebacks louis and ada uh, louis no longer with us anymore but they're probably like yourself love of their their pooches and the desire to sort of feed them the best diet led them to um, start their own brand uh which was i think they started the business back in 2014 and then it was um they were selling other people's food then they launched the brand um, which I can ramble on about for days, but my my sort of <laughs> becoming into it was totally random, and that I was doing something totally different for a long time, like thirty years, a long time, 
uh, in the sort of marketing and advertising industry. Uh, and I just had an epiphany, basically. I, I mean, we can talk a bit about mental health, but it wasn't doing me any good, basically. And uh, I crashed out of that world. Uh, and that was around about the time that I discovered dogs, having always wanted one. We didn't actually get a dog until four or five years ago. So I can talk to you a bit about him. Um, but the, the, the dogs, really, a bit like you being led to our, our stand to buy some food and was meeting. It was Uwe, the working cocker, who led me really to uh, out of the wilderness of, uh, of being a corporate suit uh, after a period of enforced uh, staying away at, at home and thinking, what do I really want to do in life? Uh, he led me to Natural. Uh, I literally applied for a job for the first time in 30 years. Uh, to drive the van for a small business in North Yorkshire, making raw food. And then it sort of escalated, uh, as Ron Burgundy would say. And uh, I found myself sort of part owner of the business along with Tom and Jess and to sort of helping a great bunch of people make their business bigger and better. And and it must be amazing for you to understand dogs, but 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 the value of the pet industry as well. It is quite a remarkable market sector, really, in its own right. I don't know whether in your previous advertising and marketing you've dealt with any brands that were pet related, but it's a booming sector. Yeah, it is. Um, I did deal with some in the past, um, a long time ago, but I think because I wasn't necessarily a dog owner, I was probably not all that invested in it as well. And I think the interesting thing is if you have got a vested interest in it, I have now obviously financially, but also emotionally involved in a business, it makes a massive difference. And uh, I was certainly not sort of invested in, in my, my old life. And I just uh, wanted to, to sort of get out and do something different. And I think everyone in the pet industry, from what I can see, and, you know, I, I've sort of, admit to being a, a Johnny come lately newcomer to it uh they seemed very nice people and because they're all genuinely interested in in their pets and their animals and a lot of businesses like ours are, are thriving because they're being run by people who have got an interest and a real purpose and I do think that's important because you know the whole sort of start with why thing a lot of people in in a lot of jobs I suspect can't really say why they're doing it um certainly outside of this industry so although it is whatever it is, two, three billion pound business, you know, and the raw sector is growing massively at the expense of the sort of traditional side of it, I do think there's, well, there's room for everybody because obviously there's so many more dogs, that's one thing. Uh, but the actual revolution or revolution, as we call it, uh, mm. of people being converted to a healthier diet means there's, there's lots of opportunities. So, yeah, it's an exciting place to be, certainly. No, it's amazing. Um, I, I absolutely love it. So how <laughs> you must did do you... if you've been feeding it for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, well, I have actually. Um, I've always been, um, you know, aware that you are what you eat. And it was actually, well, my first bull terrier came from uh, Barnsley, actually. And it was her breeder that said, Anna, you've just got to feed her on raw green tripe. And I remember mm. getting her back to London. And I rang the local vet and I said, right, oh, hello. Um, I'm after some raw green tripe. I wonder if you can help me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that really went down like a lead balloon, you know. And they were like, 
tripe have you gone mad do you know what it is and I was like yeah I do actually yeah it's the stomach of a ruminant but you can't feed that to your dog and I go well um well Molly's breeder said it was really the best thing to feed a dog and (laughs) anyway long story short um I sourced some raw green tripe and never really looked back um Chris you know but tell us a bit more about Natural Raw I'm very interested as well to hear you say that the raw market is is growing you know because I I love that um yeah well i mean we're, we're members of the um uh pfma the pet food manufacturers association and there are a number of raw uh businesses that are part of that and um there is also now a raw vet uh feeding uh body as well um so i think there's sort of gathering um momentum in in the across the, the business we are also involved in the sort of sustainability side of it and the eco side of it. That's really important to our business. I'll tell you a bit about that. But uh, I think the, the sort of numbers speak for themselves really in terms of we're a small business, but we've like quadrupled in size in the last couple of years. Uh, we are probably only a very small percentage of the raw market. And that in itself is only a small percentage of the overall market. So as I say, with 3 million more dogs as well in the last couple of years since lockdown, um, there's certainly an opportunity for, you know, a lot more uh, raw feeding. And we just know that from stockists uh, applying to stock the brand and from customers, really from organic growth as well. We we only really have grown because of word of mouth and chance encounters like yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, the sustainability is an interesting one, isn't it? Because what annoys me particularly at the moment is a lot of big commercial firms thinking, you know, let's launch some more confusing dog foods out there. Let's try and really confuse things even more and bring out insect food. And um, let's also make dogs vegan. Um, That's going to be a great idea. And that's going to make, we'll target all the vegan in this country god knows how many there are but you know and they'll all buy vegan dog food what do you say about that you know from your advertising background it, this interests me i mean how on earth can this be happening <laughs> well i would never want to be dissing anyone else's business obviously no but, i know uh, no, no. but what i mean personally what i say about that is that i i know i eat meat uh and obviously i love the fact that our products is mainly human grade we're all human grade. Uh, it's we say it's what dogs would eat if they could, and uh, that's why we say join the revolution, revolution. It's we're sort of we're a bit anti corporate, anti the industry really in terms of uh, we believe the health benefits first and foremost is is about the dog obviously, and you you can't sort of refit a purpose to the product. The purpose of our product is all about the best possible um, diet for a healthy dog. Now. I know there are people, I know Tom and Jess actually started the business, are vegetarians. They believe very strongly about what what they eat. And that's partly why they started the business in terms of what's best for a dog. So, yeah, we have obviously would have views on insect based or uh, other, other you know, vegan type diets for dogs. But that, I suppose that's for others. But you know, we can only really concentrate on producing the best possible um food that is you know high high animal welfare is, is core to it but it is what dogs are designed to eat you know so um 
<laughs> That's all yeah. I'll say about that. <laughs> no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And um, yes, I just feel it's a shame, you know, for for dogs. I mean, I'm I'm veggie, but I wouldn't mm. dream of feeding my dogs veg- as vegetarians. Mm. And I just feel it's just not fair on man's best friend. And you know, no. when no. we know, don't we, Chris? I mean, it'd be lovely. Tell us a bit more about your work in Cocker, though, and how he's really <laughs> led this 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 change of direction. I'm looking at some pictures of him now. So, I mean, it all started with Uwe, the working cocker. So it's, I can never pronounce that word, umlatter, is it? You have a little two dots above the O, uh, O-V-E, is how you spell his name. Uh, uh, And there's a film, I think, quite a depressing film called A Man Called Uwe. Uh, And uh, Kay, my wife, thought it was a good idea when we got a dog uh, that we would call him Uwe because of this film. (laughs) Didn't actually see the film until after we got the dog, and when we did, it was very depressing. Oh no! <laughs> uh, but so I always tell the story that our two dogs. We also have another one now called Malmo, who's also related. Their their uncle and nephew. Uh, so they're two and four years old now, and and uh, Malmo is uh, also a sort of Scandi-based name. Yeah, uh, so I and, know. Well, my my mum was Swedish, so I know Malmö. Oh um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I always, I always joke that Kay said that we should name our our dogs after items found in the IKEA catalogue. So we uh, were searching for uh, shelves, units, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, they they they're great names. But Uve came along. Uh, he we've had him now for four years. So I I think I got him just as I was thinking. I was getting very depressed and fed up with my old life. Uh, and the dog really just sort of helped. Um, we hadn't had a dog before. And obviously going from not having a dog to having a full-on working cocker is probably the most stupid thing you could do. Uh, <laughs> but it certainly helped in terms of getting out, being active and making me realise what fun dogs are. Uh, and he's been the sort of companion. He's been the sort of key really to the the, the transition from a sort of uh, corporate running around never been at home wearing a suit life to living my best life after it's fair to say quite a bit of mental health <laughs> drama to start with uh but he made me realize what really I did want to do in life uh so we got him in December 17 when he was like two two months three months old uh I sort of spent that summer uh just sort of exploded really and got out of my old world uh, and spent the summer just enjoying the dog and then he led me to a dog related business which is where I've been for the last three and a half years now um, obviously he didn't really lead me to it but just being out walking with your dog every day talking to people uh learning about dog food and and just having a better fun than being cooked up in meetings and aeroplanes and things uh just made me realize that you know there is more to life than than all of that uh so he is our savior really <laughs> oh it's brilliant i i love this i mean you know i mean i was i was blessed my dad worked for the rspca when i was quite young and i learned about a lot of animal cruelty and neglect at a very very young age which mm. you know impacted on me and it's always made me a little cynical of of people really because you think how can people be so awful really mm. you know mm. but i think you know it's the value of being part of a community and i think seeing the light chris really i always say you know you can feel very alone in a room full of people but you're never lonely with a dog by your side <laughs> well, that's very true. 
uh, or two even. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, exactly. So one working <laughs> cocker. Gosh. So if, it, if you were just a glutton for punishment, you were a double glutton for punishment. Have you got another working cocker? Yeah, we have. So Uwe, uh, after we'd had him a couple of years and got the hang of it, uh, we thought, well, he need, probably needs a companion as well. So uh, he came from a, a breeder in... Uh, I mean, I'm, I've got to say Uwe, is, he's got incredible kennel club background. It's really us, obviously. It's always the owner's fault. So I wouldn't say we ruined him, but we, we haven't... You know, he hasn't fulfilled his potential when his father was like the 2014 field trial champion for the UK. Wow. Uh, he, he he's more of a he's a pet basically he's not a working dog but he is obviously the slightly different to the sort of show cocker uh he is very active and so for we went back, went back to the breeders uh who thought we were doing a good enough job to allow us to have another one malmo came along in 2018 um and so he's three in august uh and he is the nephew of, of uve uh he's a bit bit more woolly a bit shorter in the leg barks a lot which is not quite what a working cocker should do uh it would be terrible on a shoot but we don't do any of that it's just a, they're both just pets basically so they're, they're totally attached all the time so now they're really there you know i bring them to work uh or we're out walking with them and they are just our, our whole life revolves around them and obviously it stops you being able to go on a three-week holiday or this that and the other uh all those things that we used to do but uh, I don't know where we'd be without our dogs, really. They they are, you know, they're sort of defined the work for me, uh, but also just uh, everything that we do seems to revolve around that. Maybe because I'm an empty nester also and that the children have flown the nest. It, that's why it was time to, to get these two. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. No, I mean, I, I so agree. I, I think dogs just give you structure in your life. And it is also about, you know, the social network, as you say, leading into business. I mean, that's in a way what happened to myself. You know, I got Molly, my first miniature bull terrier back in 2002. And bit by bit, everything and everyone I knew in my life became doggy and <laughs> one thing you know led to another like broadcasting on the BBC quite a lot about dogs mind you dogs you know were always my passion before that as well thanks to my dad but yeah you yeah. know I think you know man's best friend and I think through the pandemic gosh have we ever seen how I mean what would any of us without dogs have done in the pandemic really yeah I think that's a good point Anna they, they have been uh I mean, they're always there, aren't they? But especially notice that. And I think that's why people, you know, there's so many more of them now all of a sudden because of the pandemic. And I'm not entirely sure if that's a good thing in a lot of cases where people have already tried to go back to work or whatever and they haven't quite realised what having a dog does entail. Because mm. certainly my my old life, I would not be able to sort of do that kind of... Uh, I mean, I, I work part-time here uh, and I I spend a lot of time with the dogs. But to be away all the time or to have a dog at home and, and not be able to see it would be not good for the dog or for the owner I think. No and I think a lot of them these service companies you know the creches and the walkers that are about now they didn't exist in 2002 you know that they're, they're okay but not on a super regular basis it's a, for me it's a one-off situation when you're really stuck you know you could hire a dog walker 
but that's my again my personal experience really and, and yeah my behavior experience um goes into that as well but it, it's interesting mm. isn't it how dogs are like their owners a bit you can see how um that old adage is expressed do you think I think so. I love people watching and I love you know, photography and just, just sitting and watching the world go by. And I, I love nothing more than seeing people with their dogs and actually whether they look like their dogs or they act like yeah. And I do think, you know, it, it's almost the humanization aspect is really interesting. And, and just the people coming on this, going back to Crufts onto the stand and the things, if you had a pound for, you know, everyone who starts off saying, you know, my, my dog's different because it does this or that, or my dog will only eat that. I just think it's amazing, really, because people are really saying that about themselves, but they're expressing it as their dog. <laughs> I know. No, it is so true, actually. Um, well, well, then what, what do people say, you know, on the natural stand, you know, when, when you're there? Um, you had a great spot, I thought, at the top of the stairs. And, you know, I got onto the stand. I'm not just saying this now. I actually I felt warmth. You know, I suddenly got on the stand in a really bad mood and I did start smiling, actually. <laughs> What do they say then? Look, oh, venison. My dog can't eat venison. I'm yeah. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so you were to talk to the same lady because, yeah, there was somebody who did come on and say, my dog will only eat venison, which I thought was interesting. I thought, well, does it also only drink Bollinger champagne? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know. People will often say, you know, my dog can't eat this or can't eat that, which obviously, uh, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, so I, I would always pass on to a more... Uh, qualified uh, colleague uh, but you know, there, there's an awful lot of people asking I think about uh, calories people asking about fat content uh, people asking about different combinations of proteins and their dogs being able to eat this that and the other Th- those are generally the people who are you know clued up and, uh, and know quite a bit about raw feeding uh, but there's equally at Crufts obviously there's a lot of people there who don't even have a dog you know who never mind uh, it never ceases to amaze me in the statistics that they've published that I think it's like a third of the people there don't own dogs. So it's just a day out. So you get people asking all sorts of questions. You know, is, is it raw? <laughs> is it raw? Do you cook it? That's, I bet you get that. Do you cook it? <laughs> yes, you do get that. Uh, or, you know, why don't you cook it? And surely that's not good for them. And, you know, there is, I mean, there's a massive education job, isn't there, in terms of we refer people to the web, website to, just to understand, you know, what raw food is, because uh, it's obviously not to be taken lightly and not something that you can just switch your dog, you know, to give them it for their tea once a week. Uh, and so people need to understand it's, it's a commitment and it is, um, needs a bit of research and understanding before you do anything. And I think that's the problem with, I don't know what you thought, but I did think, uh, Crufts, there's, there's an awful lot of... Uh, just stuff that I wouldn't necessarily want, you know, could I say tat? Uh, I don't necessarily <laughs> mean in terms of food, but just, just you know, obviously it's a commercial thing and there's an awful lot of stuff that people are, and people want freebies or people want, you know, just they want stuff from their day out basically. So I think it's trying to have the serious conversations away from, you know, what, what are you giving away? Well, obviously we're not giving anything away actually apart from advice. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that advice could save their dog's life, Chris. So, you know, um, or make them live longer. So that is yeah. valuable. That is very valuable. But no, I, I agree. There's a lot of bedding, isn't there, at Crufts? And there's a mm. lot of a lot of things, yes, that probably wouldn't last very long when you've got it home. And mm. But the, it's a big old square meterage to fill. And I well, think yeah, that yes. this year yeah. wasn't representative, you know, of previous years. I think you know, some of the firms may still not be around, you know, having had no. two years away. So there's been a shift change. I mean, I, I was just thrilled, you know, to see so many people there. I really didn't know what to expect. And so many happy people. There really seemed to be a shift in people you know people were grateful to see other people people did seem nicer in inverted commas than at the last crafts which I remember was extraordinary because there was the the looming impending doom going yeah. on and and cross nearly didn't happen in 2020 you know that was it was a marked difference and I just think it was kind of like a a, a landmark event really hopefully to herald ongoing safe times and, and business as usual but listen so yeah. So, so how did you get to feed raw yourself? Well, uh, so my particular story, I was um, the, the dog, Uwe, the first one, came from a breeder. Uh, it was being fed kibble like most puppies are, you know, working. I won't say which brand, but it was, I could just tell from touching it, it wasn't very nice. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, it was left an oily residue on your hand and I thought, oh, crack, is this what they eat? And I've still got the video when he came home the first day and he sort of got stuck into a, a bowl of that. I thought, well, we'll see how this goes. But within, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I was thinking, well, we've got a dog that we know. I'm ashamed to say, perhaps I should have thought about it beforehand, but it was only when I've got the dog and it's eating the food that the breeders recommended as a novice. Uh, then I thought, is this is this the right way? And it was round about that time that uh, I discovered Natural, uh, totally by chance. Um, and so it went from not very nice food to what I would obviously, with a slight bias, feel is very good food. Um, and you know, we recommend switching over uh, from an early age, and no need. People are often asking, should I mix it with dry food? And you know, we go cold turkey, if you pardon the phrase. Uh, and say no just switch it over so that's how I discovered it really by getting the dog and then that led me to feeding it better food uh, and then at the same time sort of joining the company and becoming evangelical about it um, I think that's brilliant but you know it is it is almost common sense you know most people wouldn't eat McDonald's or you know fast food shall we say <laughs> every day you know you, you, we know now we're being educated by the NHS you've got to have your five a day you've got to minimize conditions like diabetes arthritis you know, cut the inflammation down in your body by eating fresh sugar-free foods that you mm. don't just buy microwave meals and pop them and and all of that and there's been a shift at a human level so it just makes sense I think anyway just to transfer that thought to your dog yeah very much I think it does make sense but a lot of these things in this world don't make sense do they in terms of rational behavior and I think also the messaging I know that a lot of food uh you know human food never mind dog food it, it, the, the actual advertising and the messaging or the condition to believe things which are clearly untruths you know even if they're not basic lies that there's a there's a lack of you know it's not the whole truth certainly 
So I think often, you know, the message as to this product includes X, Y, Z. It doesn't tell you what percentage of X, Y, Z, uh, you know, so you're led to believe it's good for them. Uh, so we are very keen on complete transparency in terms of, uh, you know, I don't think everybody does that at all. And labelling uh, and ingredients and composition of a product have been totally there uh, for everyone to see, you know, not just that it's uh, chicken, but the fact that it's, British chicken and it's free range chicken and it's um, carcass or breast or whatever. So, you know, just saying the chicken or, uh, and the percentage, people have no idea what that is. So I think that's really important. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, with kibble, the majority of the protein in that percentage comes from grains like barley, rice, wheat or maize, you know, doesn't even mm. come from meat. And we all know that meat meal is not meat, <laughs> not what no. you would imagine. And, and the other thing, I mean, I don't know, maybe pulling on your advertising experience a bit, Chris, is budgets, isn't it? I mean, I suppose if your product costs very little to make and your margin is huge then you have a lot more money don't you to spend on the tele adverts and stuff um <laughs> and and you know anyone can make it look amazing <laughs> and you think oh i want my dog to look like that collie i must yeah. get that when in fact and that's been one, one of the things because raw food generally you know it's full of quality ingredients it's not cheap to make so the margins aren't as great um, to put into the big big poster adverts or tube adverts and all the rest of it so there's that issue isn't there to think about yeah there's a whole commercials obviously side to any business or sector and you know at the end of the day most people are in the business to make money and uh, I you know it's I can't speak for other businesses but the I think the business is built. Somebody actually, I don't think it was yourself, it was someone on our stand used a phrase I've not heard before. You might have heard it, bags of dust. Oh. Which uh, <laughs> I just thought, you know, that sums it up. It's it's really what sells, you know, what's going to make the biggest margin. And I think that's the opposite of where we're trying to be as a business is where hopefully in the next couple of weeks going to be certified as a B corporation, which means we're doing things in a responsible way basically and we're thinking of the community and the planet yeah we want to make a profit but uh you're right this going back to the sort of budgets and the amount of money being spent i think it's interesting that there's more younger people there's more people um in every age group obviously owning dogs there's more money being spent on advertising and uh it's not all necessarily misleading but it's not necessarily also um the, the full picture and a lot of it is an acquisition based um, marketing where they're paying a certain amount for a new customer or for a conversion. People are joining a brand because they've been incentivized. And when that incentive runs out, they're switching to another brand and they're, they're basically buying on price and uh, not necessarily on the purpose uh, of the product or the actual quality of the product. And that's, that's a dangerous model with you know obviously everyone's capitalizing on the sort of growth in the sector but it's not sustainable uh and i think that is a worry because people should be buying it for the right reasons not certainly not necessarily the price i mean you'll know raw isn't necessarily a cheap way to feed certainly if you've got larger dogs um and that's an, an issue 
Yeah, it is. But, you know, you're, you're, you're investing in your dog's health. And what could be a greater thing to do? <laughs> you, know, you keep your dog away from the vet <laughs> and your dog, you know, will stay leaner and all of these great benefits that we can wax lyrical about, Chris, that uh, makes it for me the, the definitely the, the only choice, really. You know, I mean, I know my, my own bull terriers, they've, they've never had a teeth clean, you know, yeah. they don't need. Yeah. one and you know vets earn a huge amount of money huge from cleaning dogs <laughs> teeth you know because it's not like us I mean going to the hygienist is is grim but you know at least we don't need a general anesthetic every time we go you know for a quick <laughs> quick bit of a no. spruce up so you know there's um without you know perhaps um stepping over the line there is a tie-in I think uh well there is a tie-in I mean let's be honest there is a tie-in yeah. between vets and a lot of prescription processed food and um whether it is is um, I know some fellow you know vets have been on on the dog's life I know them very well and they do maintain that vets are still uneducated they're not at the level of human medics um, nutritionists wellness consultants and many do really believe that these prescription diets are the best way to feed their dogs because this is what they learned in vet school but science is you know saying different to that and very much like us it's about nurturing the microbiome you know which sterile food just can't do that mm. no you're absolutely right and it's great that more vets are becoming seemingly i know there's some that have always been evangelical about raw but it does seem to be a growing movement uh, but yeah it's not going to be solved overnight i don't think but i mean we've got some stockists who are actually vets and it's great to have them on board um, and obviously that's what everybody needs to be reassured about because the people who don't necessarily understand about raw, you know, there's an awful lot of misinformation, isn't there, about um, hygiene and, and all sorts of things which can put people off. So, yeah, I think the vet, the vet community as a whole, we've just got to embrace more dialogue uh, and keep going down that road. Mm, mm, no, that's a really, really good way of putting it. Very um, mature. <laughs> well, I am an old person. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, wise is the word. Wise. Wise. <laughs> it is about dialogue. I agree. I'm thinking, you know, that they obviously entered the profession to help animals. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to get back to the purpose. You know, so what is the purpose? It's, you know, if it's you can't get away from the fact that raw is what a dog was designed to eat. That's what we say. There's plenty of advice on the website, you know, but ultimately people should get uh, advice from vets and, and from dietitians, etc. We can just put ourselves forward as an extremely sustainable raw dog food. Our particular brand as well is what some people might call a DIY. You know, we don't uh, offer a complete product at the moment but we are looking at uh, developing more products this year but the bulk of our sales are like 80 10 10s um, for the people who don't know that's 80% meat 10% offal 10% bone uh, and we do different varieties and flavors around that you know such as beef and chicken or surf and turf or lamb and duck um, but you know it's it's rotating those different proteins and giving your dog a healthy diet maybe supplementing it with vegetables here and there and different things but certainly everything that goes into it is clear uh and uh high welfare and british um and it's all wrapped up in lovely compostable packaging as well so we've got a real sort of eco uh drum to beat which 
compared to all the greenwashing of how much plastic and polystyrene and things are used in this in the sector I think is a big point of difference yeah yeah no all that polystyrene packaging I know it's there to keep the product frozen in transport but I think it is unnecessary and I love the way you're embracing a more eco solution to that there is a downside there is a downside to that though I know because at Crufts um we to show that we because we plant trees for new customers we had an olive tree on our stand which is was I think the only tree that was in the entire whole NEC <laughs> uh, but every dog that went past <laughs> was very interested in uh, having a little uh, incident near it so we we seem to um, attract uh, for some of the antisocial activities shall we say on the carpets uh, around the store but uh, it was a price worth paying. No, it was great. So, gosh, so you plant trees for every customer that purchases natural. Is that the plan? Uh, we do, yeah. We, we're not the only ones that do that. I noticed some other brands are doing it as well. But, yeah, we for every new subscription or for every stockist order, we've planted trees. Uh, we're, we only started last year. We're over, I think we're over 5,000 trees now. And the, one of the other things is we use wool as well. You've just seen that about polystyrene. Um, so if you have your food sent, obviously it's frozen, it's a frozen meat. Uh, it's wrapped in a wool liner, which is, it stays frozen, it's delivered the next day to your home. But the wool liners also are recycled. They come from a great company in, in the Midlands called Wool Cool. Uh, and they, uh, we recycle about half the wool that we use. So uh, customers can send them back to us for free, basically, via the courier. And then they're reused, so some of them have been used again and again. That's brilliant. Well, forward-thinking companies like like yours, Chris, and like N- Natural keep the planet um, alive, I think, for a bit longer, <laughs> and people's dogs. And that's a very key key point, and um, it matters a lot, certainly where I'm sitting with my bull terrier now on my knee, Chris. So um, <laughs> apologies for a bit of banging there. You might have heard as Prudence climbs onto my lap. But Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, Mr Binks, that's our show. What did you think? Yes, I know you thought the dinner was extremely tasty. What's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. Well, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. If you want to optimise your dog's health, feed them raw. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks also, of course, to Chris Broadbent. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer at Pod People Productions. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. That way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.